Welcome back, Saddos, to another episode of the Sitcom Archive Deep Dive Overdrive with me, Ex Benedict. And me, Alison Barton Simmons. We are now on the final episode of Series 3, which is um, Episode 7, entitled The Last Posh Frock. Haven't we got here fast? We have, yeah. Three whole series down, just one more to go, and two specials. Wow. I'm feeling a bit... I'm having, I'm having that sort of terrors a little bit now that we're nearly at the end of it and it's making me feel a bit a bit sad that we've I will be sad when it's all over definitely yeah yeah and it's such a good show I just love rewatching it and it's been so different rewatching it through this lens yes. where we where we are completely anal and um, yeah. forensically pull apart every episode it's been so enjoyable and we hope you've enjoyed it as well um the idea is you can watch the episode that we talk about. If you've got the DVDs, you can do it that way. If you're a BritBox subscriber, you can do it that way. Or you can follow the links that we tweet out every week and watch it for free on Daily Motion, which is what we both do, isn't it? It is. I started with DVDs and then just, yeah, I, I, I lost the, the will and, and now watch it on Daily Motion. God bless the pirate who uploaded it to there many years ago. Thank you. So this is the last episode of Series 3. We've only got one series to go, as we say. So we really are thinking now, good and hard, about what we're going to do next. It's, um, we've got so much to choose from, so many classic old British sitcoms, 70s and 80s, that we, that we love. Um, so this week we thought we'd, we'd just have a quick look at the other sitcoms that the stars of The Good Life have been in, briefly. They did quite a few, didn't they? And do you know what I read? I read that the BBC had promised them all, all four stars of The Good Life, promised them all sort of like a new a new vehicle, um, not not like cars, mm. I mean like a new TV vehicle to, to then go on and do post The Good Life. Imagine they'd promised them cars and given, <laughs> given them Richard Bryce's rotary cultivator. He could do seven, ma- seven and a half mile an hour. Save it to last. <laughs> and for Dickie, we've got you this. <laughs> Yes, I believe that was part of the incentive, incentivization. Is that a word? Incentive. What to stick with them. the BBC? Yeah, to sign up for this sort of four series. Um, yeah. they, they all got a vehicle, and obviously, <laughs> I think probably the the two who did best out of it were, were Margot and Jerry, Paul Eddington and Penelope yes, Keith. definitely, yeah. Because um, To the Manor Born was a huge success for Penelope. It was. Again, she was playing that character that's not a million miles away from Margot in terms of a, a posh, entitled, middle-class character. Yeah, she's like a bit further upper class, isn't she? She's a little bit, a bit of a sort of a, a step yes. on, perhaps. landed gentry more than mm. middle class. Yeah. But brought down to earth. Um, mm. If you've never seen To the Manor Born, which seems unlikely if you're listening to this show, if you've never seen it, she, um, her character, Audrey Forbes something Hamilton? Like that. Audrey Forbes Hamilton, loses her position after the death of her husband. Yes. It was also a cousin, I think, bizarrely. There's some kind of, like, inter-family marriage. Well, that's the way it is with the upper echelons of society. No, it was to keep, I think it was to keep the, 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 the land within the family. Your sister is your mother, your uncle <laughs> is your brother. <laughs> and it's a good show, um... I can't remember how many series it goes for. That's something we could look at in the future, possibly, although not straight mm. away, because we need a break from Penelope and she needs a break from us. Yeah, it'd just be like Margot 
the return, wasn't it? Yeah. And as we mentioned, Paul Eddington went on to be um, Jim Hacker, Prime Minister Jim Hacker, alongside Nigel Hawthorne as Sir Humphrey in Yes Minister slash Yes Prime Minister. Yes. Margaret Thatcher's favourite show. God, yeah. For which she was a part-time writer in in her own head. Oh, he he still had. I think as as the minister and the prime minister, I think Paul Eddington sort of carries on Jerry's um, style. He's sort of he's, he's the way that he dresses is quite sort of familiar, isn't it? You still, I can still sort of see Jerry in in him as as those characters. Although he's not got the he's not got the smarts of Jerry, he's not as he's, he's just a bumbling fool, isn't he? Yeah, um, but he's he's beleaguered in the same way that Jerry is at home with Margot. Yes, yeah. But this time, instead of by a controlling wife, it's by a controlling underling, who is basically pulling all the um, puppet strings. All the strings, yeah. Mm. Nigel Hawthorne's fabulous in that show. He is. I think the, just together, them two are like a. Just a match made in heaven, aren't they, for TV? Uh, do you know? Um, just this has just come to mind because um, mm. I have I have social media tools that go and find mentions of uh, the actors and the characters so that I, we can yeah. insert ourselves into the conversation and help reach more people. Something came up the other day, and it was a letter that Paul Eddington had written to Margaret Thatcher about the decline of or the lack of funding to the arts and to the theatre. Okay, because you know the way after a certain amount of time. The office of the prime minister have to release things. Is it thirty years? I think, yeah. That's how the Hillsborough stuff all came out, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So he was writing to her, basically saying, you know, get your hand in your pocket, y'all you snatch. Really? Well, no, in nicer terms than that. <laughs> no, I don't think. He... <laughs> no, that's not really that's Paul Eddington's style, is it? But uh, bizarre, it, bully boy. not not much changes, does it? Because now post COVID, the theatres and the arts are still struggling, and the Tories are still. Oh shit! I'm on my soapbox again. Oh <laughs> no! No, I totally agree. It makes me really sad because we've all just fucking sat and watched Netflix for the last six months, and then hmm. we've been the arts and money going towards keeping theatres propped up and all the things that we would do, and it's just really sad, isn't it? People it that is. are unemployed now. It just um, it doesn't really make sense. Um, as well as those two shows, though, there is also Ever Decreasing Circles, which I think is one of the most underrated sitcoms in British history. I thought it was a really cosy show, um, Ever Decreasing Circles, and um, there's there's characters in that that I've that I've sort of I remember as a kid watching it and thinking that like Penelope Wilson was beautiful in it um and thinking oh she's a really good actress and and um Peter Egan as well mm. um, Peter thinking, Egan's wonderful in it but sort of watching those guys as they've gone through their career to like now and most recently I've seen them two in um the new Ricky Gervais series Afterlife um, Afterlife um, and just seeing them together again, I think them two are like another match made in TV heaven, I think. In fact, Ricky Gervais, um, who put both of them two into Afterlife, um, said that they are the whole series, the whole series of Ever Decreasing Circles was one of like his biggest influences. Um, and that after Richard Breyers died, he said that he'd waive the repeat fees on The Office if they showed Ever Decreasing Circles on the BBC again which I thought was very interesting considering that 
he's got quite a lot of clout, hasn't he? So hopefully, every decrease in circles might turn up back on the BBC again. Yeah, that'd be good. Mm. They're all on Daily Motion, by the way. Yes, they are. So you can watch them whenever you want. Watch them wherever you want, yeah. I, I rewatched the very first episode of Ever Decreasing Circles only about two months ago. Did it wind you up? Well, the thing is... He's, 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 he's annoying. He's, he's just Tom Mark II. Yeah, but he's Rich, Richard Bryce's character, Martin, is supposed to be annoying, whereas mm. Tom isn't usually supposed to be yeah. annoying. But he is. So Richard Bryer's character, as he's deliberately annoying, just didn't annoy me. <laughs> <If> that <laughs> makes sense. Because he's just he's playing the part as intent with yeah. Richard Bryer's uh, sorry, Tom Good is supposed to be a likable character. And he's just not, he's just horrible. Particularly mm. in the episode we're gonna look at today. The other two two sitcoms that Richard Bryer's was in that I made a note about, which I've never mm. seen but I'd like to see, on the basis of who he stars in them with are uh, the other one where he's he meets somebody at the airport who's like the chalk and cheese, and they end up going on the same flight and sharing the same hotel and okay. sort of form a friendship. And that's Michael Gambon is the other person, right? He's, he's obviously a very fine actor. I've never even heard of that. Um, it I think it was after the Good Life, right? Maybe it's nineteen seventy nine, and then before the Good Life, by a good ten years, there was Marriage Lines with. Richard Briers and Prinello yeah. Scales in. Did you ever see that? I haven't seen it, but um, I am a, a fan of Radio 4 Extra and the radio show, which was um, prior to the TV series, I think, from the very early 60s, has been replayed on, on Radio 4 Extra in the last six months or so. And, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's strange because rather than hearing the usual Richard Briers and... His, his voice and sort of very down to earth. It's quite clipped, that mm. sort of clipped received pronunciation to it, which is a bit, it's a bit off putting a little bit because it, it doesn't, it doesn't sound as familiar as, as, as usual. Was it funny? Um, in early 60s kind of radio humour, yeah. Dated um, though. A little bit. I don't know how, how it would, it would stand up to modern audiences that weren't on Radio 4 Extra. Yeah, sure. They were just looking for that kind of, that kind of humour. There's a, there's a lot for us to uh, chew over there. We might come mm. back and do one of those shows in the future. Although it's unlikely to be, um, we're unlikely to snowball straight into a show starring one of the cast of The Good Life straight away. But if you um, have any suggestions on what you'd think we should cover in our second series, as soon as this series is over, we're going to take a little break and then we'll be back, um, probably around Easter time with. Um, with a second sh- a second series that will concentrate on a on a brand new sitcom. Well, not a brand new sitcom, a very old sitcom. <laughs> We've not even written it yet. <laughs> so, yes, if you've got any suggestions, get involved on social media or send us an email with your suggestions and we will, um, depending on whether we like the show, we will ignore it <laughs> or we will... <laughs> or, or get on will... with it. Yeah, exactly. One or, the, one or the other. But either way, send us your suggestions. That would be appreciated. Shall we um, have a dive into um, this final episode of Series 3 then, Al? Yes, let's do it. So Series 3, Episode 7, The Last Posh Frock. Good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life. The first thing to say about this episode before it started is I think this is the episode that really cemented my hatred of the character of Tom. Yeah, no wonder. Mm. He's absolutely vile and obnoxious all the way through this episode. And... We see this from the first scene he's in, but the, the, the opening scene doesn't have Tom in. It has um, Barbara in 
Ledbetter's lounge, waiting on a lift into town. <laughs> um, but Jerry can't get the car started. So, so Margot and Barbara are reminiscing about their holiday in the summer of 1974, which leads to Barbara sort of getting quite nostalgic of her past stylish clothes and lifestyle, doesn't it? Setting the scene it for does. her frustration in this episode. Yeah. When she says, I, I used to look smart then, I felt really sorry for her. Yeah, Margot compounds it by saying, oh, I used to be jealous, but not anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give it with one hand and take her away with the other. Yeah, she's totally tactless, isn't she? Yeah. But uh, as we said, Jerry can't get the car started, so he comes in all sort of flustered and frustrated. And um, Margot and Jerry start bickering. And I think Margot says, don't flare your nostrils at me, Jerry. Without yeah. even, she, He's not even facing her, so how she knows that? I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> he must just do that. Yeah, she's imagining what his nostrils look like. Um. But Barbara decides that she could probably step in here and help out, knowing how the rotary cultivator car works. Mm. She might be of use to, to Margot and Jerry um, and to take a look at the car for them. Yes, much to Margot's surprise, because she's a girl. Oh, There's a lot of that in this episode. but um... There is, there is. But, but Barbara, just she, she's able to look into it and decide that it's a garage job. The garage need to... Take a look at it. But she does, she she proper gets in there, doesn't she? She's under the car, she's filthy. And mm. with her diagnostics, she's um she's like super Barbara. Oh yeah, she's she's very impressive. Tom turns up wondering where Barbara is, demand saying that he's waiting on something and that Jerry should be getting on with it and going and getting it, and I'm thinking, for fuck's sake, Tom. Yeah. The guy's just doing yakking you a favor. away over that over the fence. Yak, 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 yak. Yeah, doing that laugh he does where he goes <laughs> like Mutley. Um but then yes, they have to they have to push the um the car to the to the local garage because it's only up the road, which seems odd because the avenue seems like a very suburban um Yeah, suddenly road. there's a garage. Yeah. Because mm. it fits the um fits the narrative. It does. <laughs> but Jerry's not keen to push his own motor and dirty his Burberries and his suede jacket, so Tom says, Well Barbara will push it and Barbara sort of looks at him doe and says, But I'm a girl. Yeah, it's it's oh it, it it this episode it, it sort of just it really does pull on your heartstrings, doesn't it? Because it really does set in stone how different Barbara's life is. Yeah, I think she's um, after Margot's comment about how she used to look smart, and then Tom just saying, "Well, Barbara will push it," and um, mm. and also Jerry offering her a pint. Yeah, she doesn't. She's not happy about that at all, is she? No, she's feeling what? What's it's like? What's the female equivalent of emasculated? Is it effeminated? Effeminated. I've never heard that, but that's it's applicable, I think, in this situation. Yeah. Barbara's discomfort is um, magnified by a passing man asking for directions, <laughs> and uh, which Barbara provides, and then the guy says, "Thank you, Sonny." That did. It did that did make me laugh. Um, and her response of "I'm a girl." She really is. She can't catch a break, can she? In this episode, yeah. No, not at all. So in order to sort of um, feel feminine again, Barbara goes inside and dons her old curtains dress, doesn't she? The one we've seen. She does. She gets the dress out. She gets the night out dress out again. And she's sort of swanning around in it, hoping to sort of look sexy for Tom when he comes in. But true to form, Tom arrives and he's too preoccupied with his new valve to even notice this little sex pot. 
prancing around him and leaning in and showing a cleavage. He's there must have been millions of men in nineteen. Would it have been nineteen seventy-six, seventy-seven? Yeah, ready to put the foot through the telly at this point. Yeah, he doesn't know how good he's got it, does he? No. Poor Barbara, but he's yeah, he's preoccupied with his new valve. She's trying to get all sexy, but Tom's going banging on about diaphragms, which is always a passion killer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's never the way oh. to uh, spice up a marriage, is it? But she she asked him directly. She does ask him, Tom, do I look nice? And she's trying her best to get him to even just turn his head and just give her a glance. Because uh, we know from past episodes that when that happens, that little bit of a glance, and they're away, mm. aren't they? Um, but at this stage now, Barbara's almost like hysterical, isn't she? And stamping round, storming off. Particularly as she storms off, she rips her last posh frock. Oh. And um, she, you can hear her screaming out of shot. And when she comes in, Tom's totally unsympathetic. Still preoccupied with his with his new valve. And she tells mm. him to shut up when he's saying, well, you don't need it anyway, because you don't you don't have anywhere to wear it to. He was just totally missing the point, as is, yeah. is um, typical of Tom. And, and when Barbara sort of confesses her misery about the fact that it means something to her to have a last... A, a, a last posh frock, even if she hasn't mm. got anywhere. Tom, all Tom does is laugh, which yeah. must be the most infuriating, humiliating part of the whole thing for her. She gets her hands dirty and gets stuck in to um, make the best of this of this life that they've, that they've got themselves into. Um, for Tom's sake, it was all Tom's idea. She is on board, um, but any sort of like little bit of emotion that she shows. He, he doesn't seem to get it at all. He almost seems to just sideswipe it out of the way. Mm. Um, he's very domineering at times mm. as well, as we see later on. But uh, we, we cut now to um, to see Jerry in his red cardigan. He's, yeah. he's still got his red cardigan on from... Um, Love the cardigan. Where was he wearing that? When he was trying to load this freezer with dishes, he was wearing that, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. In the last episode. <laughs> um, and he's, he's just making a, making a quick call to check in on his car which hasn't been guaranteed will be ready for him, but Margot takes over, grabs the phone off him and starts bollocking the garage, doesn't she? She's in proper Margot mode, isn't she? To try and... She, she even slaps his hand away when he tries to take the phone back off yeah. her. And she says to the to the poor guy at the garage, there was a time in this country where a date promised was a date honoured. She's very, very particular, isn't she? Yeah. Margot, be quiet, Jerry. <laughs> All right, go and look at your wretched worksheet. No, you may not tinkle me back. I'll yeah, hold off. Yeah, but don't drop Margot just now. She's in full flow. Hello. Are you the same man? <laughs> Very well. No, that is not good enough. There was a time in this country when a date promised was a date honoured. And if you promise my husband that the car will be ready today, then I... Just a moment. Did they or did they not say that the car would be ready today, Jerry? No, I was just telephoning on the off chance. Really, Jerry? <laughs> I do wish you'd acquaint me with the facts before getting me involved. So and then Tom, Tom pops in to invite the Ledbetters around for a dinner party with Barbara's old school friend, Eileen, who apparently is in town as a MacGuffin for this episode. Yeah, she just appears out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, even when she turns up, she's, she's in it for like... Blink and you'll miss. Yeah. And you'll miss her. Um, she's barely in it. But Margot points out it's very thoughtful of Tom and it isn't like him. 
<laughs> which is completely true, but Tom yeah. is like, what? Of course, I'm very thoughtful. Of <laughs> course, this, this lady is visiting from Canada, and Margot says, well, is she Canadian? Because I've gone off the Canadians since they adopted that silly flag. Did you know about the flag situation in the 60s? Where I they... didn't know the flag problem, no. I looked With it the up. the maple leaf. Go on, yeah, what happened? Pr- prior to 1965, they used the Union Jack, apparently, Ooh. for Canada. And um, obviously they're an independent principality, aren't they? So um, in 65, they, I think the maple leaf had has been through a couple of iterations since. But yeah. it's very similar to what we've got now in, from Canada. And but Margot obviously just has taken against it because it's a little bit ostentatious, probably, isn't it? Yeah. Big and red and bold. Oh, who do you think you are, Canada? Yeah. Old Canada. <laughs> oh, Canada. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Jerry. So over at the goods, Tom is sampling the peapod wine on the night of the dinner party, which at least looks drinkable. The colour looks appropriate for wine. It does. Although he reacts to a little sip of it. As if it's arsenic or something. <laughs> yeah. He's not Mr. Coles, though. No, no. Who could who could better Mr. Coles? Um, and Barbara comes in. She's not happy about this surprise dinner party, is she? No, because she's had to cook. She yeah. had to cook for her own, her own sort of enjoyment. Out of the blue. She's not happy also because she's got nothing to wear, whereas Tom's sort of dressed up. And she's, yeah. she looks pretty. She looks nice in what she she's does. wearing. But it's not a proper sort of frock or a dress and um she, she's had to put her old an old skirt and top on because she doesn't have anything now that a, a, a best frock's torn she's nothing else to put on so i mean to be honest i thought she looked she looked better in her in her skirt and tights than she did yeah. in that dress anyway because it's a that fucking dress awful is, dress yes yeah however because she's not happy about not having a dress tom's very dismissive again he's saying come on barbara that's behaving like a woman isn't it and she says well i am a woman and then he, he responds, he's like, oh, don't be difficult. Oh. And then he's pulling her around, manhandling her, sit, sit, you know, telling her what to do, um, trying to sort the problem out in a typical sort of male way of like, you know, here's a problem, I will now fix it, but he's just making it worse. Yeah. And he even, he, at one point when she sort of backs down a bit, when he makes clear that um, he wins around, doesn't he, by saying he's more interested in the beer, not the bottle, what's inside. Yes. Although that sounds a little bit like saying... I don't know, maybe this just made, it sounded like he's just going, I'm only interested in the fanny. <laughs> yeah, what's on the inside? I don't care what it looks like, as long as I get to pump it. Oh, Tom. Um, yeah, but um, she sort of comes around when he says that, and, and then she he sort of pats her bum and calls her good girl. It's all very condescending. It is. She says at one point, do you love me? And he says, of course I do, you silly bitch. <laughs> some, of the, some of the things that... that um, I, I'd, I'd forgotten about these, um, yeah. and it's only with a rewatch that, with a critical eye, I suppose, and with um, a, a, an eye to be able to talk about it. Um, but it, yeah, they toss that the bitch word around quite a lot, don't they? Tom in does. reference to women, yeah. He calls Margot and um, Barbara a bitch several occasions, but on this, yeah. Even though he's been obnoxious throughout this scene, that line did make me laugh. I have to, I have to mm. confess, it did make me laugh because it <laughs> just shows how inappropriate he is and how unappreciative yeah. he is. Well, of yeah. course I do, you silly bitch. He, the way he delivered it was just something about this. He's such a good actor, Richard Bryars, yeah. which is, you know, is shown by the fact that we hate Tom, but we love Richard Bryars. I mean, he's exactly he's such a likable guy, and yet Tom is so horrible. 
Eileen floats in, doesn't she, at this point? Oh, flipping Eileen. Very confident, sultry, elegant. And Tom immediately forgets his talk of only being interested in, in the beer and not the bottle. I hated I hated Tom in this scene. When he's sort of, yeah, he's sort of snorting and, and just oh. fawning. He's really obsequious and obnoxious, isn't he? Fawning over this poor girl. In fact, he's literally panting. He's literally panting. Yeah. He's going, yeah. <laughs> isn't he? In yeah. front of her. It's embarrassing. I was, I was embarrassed for him. Mm. How nice to meet you, Tom. Nice <laughs> to see you. <laughs> oh, uh, please, come sit down. Over there. <laughs> there we are. Well, now, Eileen, uh, would you like a drink, Eileen? Uh, uh, Peapod or thingamy? Oh, uh, thingamy, I should think. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> like a kid, like a, like a child. Yeah. Like a, like a teenager on heat. I thought he was actually going to come on Arlene at one point. <laughs> he um, says to her, may I say, Arlene, you look absolutely stunning. And mm. I, just, I just wanted to put my foot through the telly. He doesn't even notice Barbara's sort of um, thousand-yard stare that she's given no. him. And then as soon as she's arrived, she's gone, Arlene, because immediately yeah. we're, po- we're post-dinner, aren't we? Arlene's left. Mm. The goods and the left betters are, are sort of remaining on the goods couch. Jerry is trying to compliment Barbara on her cooking, but uh, Tom barely notices because he's too busy still, even though she's left obsessing over this this Eileen and her, her beauty. A beauty. And uh, t- Tom says, you can tell she's a model, can't you? Um, and Margot comments upon this, the beautiful dress that she was wearing. Mm. Um and she said, I, I love those six little buttons. And Tom says, five. Yeah. Oh. But Jerry's very aware in this scene, isn't he? Particularly for a man in the 70s. Yes. He's sort of like, he, he's trying to, he could, he's noticed that Barbara's feeling put out. He's trying to bring the attention back to Barbara. And then he makes excuses when Margot has no idea what's going on. And she no. says, well, well, I don't see why we have to leave. And he says, well, I've got one of your headaches. <laughs> Which is a great line. Yeah. And then, of course, with those shoehorned out of the way, we get the climactic sort of oh, argument. Oh, God, the shit hits the fan big time. Mm. I love the fact that Barbara really does ask to... She sort of, like, composes herself and calls him a two-faced, inconsiderate, selfish rat. Yes. And Tom goes, what, 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 what? Which is, again, oh. is just one of those annoying idiosyncrasies about the guy. yeah. Actually, yeah. I think that's something my granddad used to do, actually, that triggered me. Yeah. What, 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 what? What, 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 what? Oh, shut up, you old bastard. The, it, the, yeah, just any of those words, if someone used them to describe me, I would be really upset that I'd obviously really upset them. Hmm. But he just, he's just not even... But he just, he's in denial. He's in denial. Yeah. He denies drooling over Eileen and Barbara's, mm. Barbara's livid. And and she's basically saying, "What about me?" And he says, "Well, you're Barbara," as if as if that's mm. like independent of womanhood, I suppose. Mm. She says, "There's um, you, as far as you're concerned, there are three sexes in the world: male, female, and Barbara." And Barbara, oh, I did feel for Barbara in in this episode because it's obviously such a big deal for her. Those traditional roles, which were more, I think, more traditional in the seventies, weren't they? Hmm. That you were, if you if you're a woman, you are feminine, and that is the role that you 
portray and act out. And um, I don't think it was a, a very fluid thing in the 70s either. Um, to describe it as fluid seems quite a modern thing. But um, looking back at the 70s, it was very... You just stuck in your lane, didn't you? You didn't you didn't deviate from what you were supposed to be doing. Um, and I suppose gender's more of a, a fluid thing now. Um mm. It's across a whole scale, isn't it? And I just felt sorry for Barbara that she couldn't sort of, you know, be action Barbara fixing cars and um, milking goats during the day and still have some vestige of femininity at other times when she wanted to. And for and for Tom just to be on board with it and, and all right with it and, and understanding about it. Yeah. Scott and Charlene, he was always happy when she, when she was uh, under the car and then sexy at night time. Exactly, because women can do all those things. And I just feel like Barbara did want, she wanted that. She wanted to be able to do all those things um, and not just stuck in, in one part of, of being being a woman. Tom just seems to be almost like gaslighting her, that he just doesn't have a clue what she's on about. And then he spills the wine on her, of course. Yeah. Um, by, by sort of hoist, foisting it onto her and she doesn't want it. And then... He just sort of laughs and says, oh, it's not your day, is it? I'd, I'd have just chinned him at that point. Yeah, that would have been too much, that. It was only a shame that when she went and got the um, the gravy boat and poured it all mm. over herself, it's only a shame she didn't pour it on him, really. I thought she was going to do, but then she just she just pours it on herself to make the point, I suppose. That what is the point? Talking of point, it um, increased the nipple... Um, <laughs> Visibility. I didn't, I didn't notice. I didn't pouring, notice. Pouring liquid all over her top definitely increased the nipple, um, pokey outiness of, of of her nipple. Sorry, <laughs> I, now I'm being sexist, but you, know, you can't help but notice these bloody bullets. Do you think that was um, that was intentional, or with the BBC sort of, you know, we're, we're, how were ratings at this point? Were ratings down? Well, she's supposed to be unfeminine, so I can't imagine it was intentional. I, I think it's just a, a result of her having naturally pokey nipples. <laughs> pokey boobs and gravy poured on her. Exactly. <laughs> Ooh, I, I like Richard, Richard Bryers. I like Richard Bryers. I like Richard Bryers. I like Richard Bryers. Good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life. The following morning, Tom pops in to visit Jerry for no discernible reason. Mm. And I can't even tell what Jerry's up to. He's messing about doing something handy, isn't he? He's fixing a golf club. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. Because he doesn't usually do anything himself, does he? No, he's, he's, he's sort of busy in... I don't know, I think golf clubs are a thing that you do yourself. I don't think it's something that you that you get somebody else to do. I don't think. Yeah, a man's golf clubs are his own domain. I think so. Yeah, I think that's the way it works. I, this scene, though, I I like this scene. Yes. Yeah. Jerry's great, isn't he? Yeah, I wanted to punch the air at the end of it because he makes that eloquent point about the nature of the two couples' arguments. An argument means something in the Goods house, whereas it's just a means of conversation in Ledbetter's house. I found that really fascinating, that you, you think that Jerry's just, he's not aware of it, he's just sort of acting out the role of a henpecked husband that's under the thumb, that's just managing his wife and um, doesn't really have much of a say on things because he's that busy, you know, putting out fires for Margot. Um, but to hear him say that, that... 
the way that he and Margot communicate is by rowing and falling out and little bickering fights. But for the gods, it's a big deal when they fall out because it's obviously something, something's happened for them to, to row. Yeah, and if it wasn't for Jerry's intervention at this point, albeit that he didn't go out of his way, it was just because Tom came round, presumably because Barbara was giving him the cold shoulder. Mm. Um, if it wasn't for Jerry's intervention, Tom would never have seen the light. He was still adamant that he was right and Barbara was being a silly woman. Yes. I think it's nice as well that later on, jumping ahead slightly here, we do see we do see Jerry appreciate Margot as a force of nature when he's talking about the fact that they got the car back early. Yeah. So it, I think this, this bicker in between them, they both get off on it, really. it's Maybe it's not the healthiest paradigm of a marriage you'll ever see, but it works for them. And yeah. he's in awe of her as, as this strong... It's it's a nice paradox between Barbara and, and the Goods' marriage and the Ledbetter's marriage because it just shows how comfortable Jerry is with this strong woman who's capable of achieving things even when she's been totally unreasonable to achieve them she still gets shit done doesn't she yeah she does she does and like you say i think it's um it's part of the game isn't it it's part of their um their love life it it all revolves around that back and forth doesn't it yeah (laughs) do you think it turns him on when she when she gets her own way i think yeah i think so yeah i think it's part of the i think it's part of their their game yeah yeah we're getting into erotic fiction Territory. Yep. I did find some more erotic fiction this week, by the way, Al. Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't like it, yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna send it to you and say, should we read some out? But I know, I, I no, I thought, can't. It makes me feel funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, not in a good way. <laughs> not in a good way. No. Help, belt. So back in the kitchen, Tom, Tom comes in and apologizes to Barbara as she is repairing her. She's finishing repairing a posh frock. He kisses on the head and he says, I'm sorry, love. Which is the first action in this entire episode of Tom's that isn't abhorrent. Yes. Um, and then Tom produces a posh frock in a box in a very sort of sulky way, I thought. But that maybe I'm reading it wrong. Maybe it was more ashamed. He couldn't look at her I think, because I was... think I felt it was ashamed. Yeah. He just seems a little bit like a child. A crestfallen. A, a, a admonished bit. child again to me. Yeah. Well, that's Tom all over, isn't it? And of course, this new frock is a big improvement on the last monstrosity. So she's Hells done. Yeah. She's done well out of it, really. <laughs> yeah. But it becomes apparent, doesn't it, that Tom has sold his watch and his suit to pay for this frock. It does. At, at, at this point, I started to feel a bit sorry for Tom um, and admire him for for sort of falling on his sword. But then I remembered that he'd been a complete dick. So. I, well, we said it before. That's the mastery of the writing, isn't it? Always Absolutely. redeemable when these characters do mm. horrific things. To make you love and hate the same character in the same episode, mm. um, with the same cast amongst them, is that's really good writing, isn't it? Yeah, and it's also something that the not every actor could pull off. Mm. But it's usually it's usually Penelope Keith and Richard Briers who who are those two extremes of you yeah. know, deplorable and lovable. And yeah. they're both they're both amazing. Yeah. But uh, we get a second dinner party that ensues, so that Barbara can um, feel splendid in a, in a fancy new frock. Barbara enters in her new dress into the goods living room, and Jerry says that she's ravishable. <laughs> and then does he get corrected? But you know that he, he actually meant ravishable. Yeah. 
<laughs> Big time. And even ravishable was probably a euphemism for what he was actually thinking. Absolutely. He wasn't thinking anything nearly as proper as that. But then Tom comes in and he's wearing a sort of mismatch outfit, isn't he? He's got like a half of a penguin suit on. Yeah. But some just generic slacks. Just slacks and a dicky ball. Yeah. So they're sort of like, we'll put the rest of your suit on, soft lad. Yeah. In not so many words. <laughs> and uh, But of course he can't because he sold his um, he sold his proper suit and his trousers from that suit are filthy from... For some reason, he was wear, wearing them to do the gardening, which you've got to yeah. wonder why. But um, And then Margot surprisingly stands up and she says, well, I, will, I should be very proud to go with Tom as he is. And um, Jerry's reaction to this is priceless. He's like looking around going, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but then she says that you'll have to put him behind a pillar in the restaurant, though. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's pretty much the end of the episode, isn't it? I think it is. It is. Then off they go. Yeah, off they go out for dinner. I didn't personally. I never enjoyed this episode much because of how horrible Tom is to Barbara and how yeah how hurt she looks through it and everything. Um, I mean, it all comes full circle. He does the right thing, blah de blah. But mm. he's just such a pig, ignorant, selfish man that I find it difficult yeah. to enjoy. Yeah, I tend to agree. When she's struggling, um, and he could just step up and understand and just be a little bit more not forgiving because she's she's signed up to this and it's his it's his wife but he, he, empathetic he and human to, really isn't uh, it yeah human about it he doesn't seem to he just wants it right again he wants he wants barbara to be back on track and seems to sort of like usher her back into that role when it when just listening to her and talking to her might be a little bit more helpful. Well, it's not even Usher, is it? Because Usher is, is helpful. He's more cajole no, and coax. It is. Yeah, coax and urge and push, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. just, uh, you know, this doesn't fit my worldview or how I want my life to be, so change now. Yeah. Obnoxious mm. prick. As um, I, I did a guest slot on Doug and Ellie Watch Telly this week, and Doug referred to Tom Good as history's greatest monster. Oh, um, That's quite harsh. That <laughs> it is a bit, yeah. But yeah, but in in this episode, absolutely, yeah, he was a monster. So with Tom having half a suit, I'm assuming he's not going to get a much of a mention in this week's fashion corner. But let's have a trip over there now. Fashion corner, fashion corner, fashion corner, fashion corner. This week, um, I'm going against the grain. Um, it's not Margot centric this week. Um, it's all about Barbara. Um, Barbara's I know it's I'm starting at the end of the episode but Barbara's dress um, that Tom buys her um, as, a, as a way of apology um, is is stunning it's absolutely gorgeous um, it's like a halter neck um, ivory silk dress um, with like d- like delicate daisies around um, the the halter neck collar quite modern looking actually it's not like some some of the stuff that's in the show is um quite dated like her um the her posh frock that she had from the previous life um the the floral billowing laura ashley number that she wears that she tears um this 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 new dress that she gets given is is very modern looking um and it it suits felicity kendall absolutely 100 percent with her tiny little waist she just looks absolutely stunning in it Margot, however, obviously throughout the um, episode turns up in all sorts of um, outfits. In the opening scene, she's got 
like a navy Breton striped top with like a, a, a triangle detail on it with she matches with a white skirt bangles and earrings she's always accessorised which I love mm. matching accessories and then it gets she later on in that scene she's got a hat on as well a red hat <laughs> and gloves I think she's got on as well and, and this red tote bag and she just looks she looks amazing and she can just be going to the shops but she's still absolutely dressed up to the nines Barbara in this scene is in like a, I think to sort of make the point of um, Barbara feeling not very feminine she's there in a scruffy dungarees and a cardigan and she's filthy looks like a like a little urchin almost thanks Sonny I know she does she looks like she's been up like doing like chimney sweeping yeah um, <laughs> that's actually yeah you, you, you're dead right there I want to mention Eileen's dress come on Eileen in she had like a pistachio coloured halter neck silk dress when she comes round for dinner which is it is like the stuff of models and if you were going to go around for dinner to an old friend's house I don't know if you would sort of dress up as if you're on a catwalk but she looked she looked beautiful and it was a beautiful dress um, Jerry had his red cardi on as you mentioned previously which is always great to see I think earlier on in the episode as well we did see the um, Burberry slacks and tan leather jacket Oh, it's a suede jacket, wasn't it? It wasn't the leather was one. It a, was, was it not the leather jacket? Was it a suede one? Yeah, it's a very similar colour, but it's a suede one, that one. It's also very oh. dapper. Yeah, he's, yeah, he does. He did suit it. He, he suits that tan colour as well. And then when they go out for dinner, um, Margot is dressed in like a black evening gown, which I think, I don't know if that was sort of on purpose to sort of distinguish... Margot, not looking plain, but in like you don't often see her in like a block colour, a dark block colour like that. True. Um, and I, I, I wondered whether it was to sort of show off Barbara's new dress, which is is really stylish and and, and beautiful and and um, just perfect for Felicity Kendall. So I, perhaps it was to sort of like to take the yeah, it's contrast the spotlight away. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it, definitely. Um, Barbara was its fashion corner um, winner this week. So after all that and so much going on in this episode, Ben, um, have you got an MVP for this week? Yeah, uh, I think Tom. No, no, not really. No! Um, <laughs> no, not Tom. Um, I suspect we'll both have the same MVP. Uh, Jerry. Uh, Jerry was... We've said it before. He's... Um, such a good friend. He gives Tom great counsel. And then mm. he's generous. He takes the goods out to dinner at the end. And the self-awareness that he shows in, in spotting Barbara's distress and behaving appropriately at the dinner party. Just just what a good egg. What a what a great guy. I'd love to know a Jerry. I'd love to be mates with Jerry. He was very perceptive. I, I must admit, um, yeah, um, Jerry is definitely my MVP for this week for exactly the same reasons. And it just it, it, it sort of warmed my heart, especially the scene in the garage when he's um when he's cleaning or fixing his um golf clubs mm. and he was he just seemed so wise and not crowing about it. You know, sometimes if 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 you know the answer and you you're trying to get that across to, to someone. He he wasn't. He didn't do it in like a, a preaching way. A preachy way. It was very, very calm and letting Tom come to his own conclusion with it. 
Mm. Stubbornly, it took him long enough. It did. It did. And I, and I think the fact that he pointed out as well to Tom, because um, Tom started to get all aerated, and, and um, I think Jerry even says to him, um, you know I'm right because you've resorted to abuse. Mm. And I thought, yay, yay, go Jerry. So do you think it's time for an MVP update on uh, who's winning yeah, at the end on. of the where, third series? Where are we up to? Mm. So, just update the spreadsheet here that I've got because <laughs> nothing if not anal here at this here at Sado. Um, two votes for Jerry. So I will now give you the um, the scores in reverse order. Right. Joint bottom with a one vote each: Mister Carter, Harry the Leak Thief, and Mister Waitley from last week's episode or the week before whatever um then coming up after them we've got mr coles with two with two votes your favorite um with a surprisingly small amount of votes barbara has only four votes overall really or barbara and then in joint second place with 10 votes each we have tom and jerry but right. um, steaming ahead with 13 votes, Margot. Yay, well done, Margot. And that leaves us with only nine episodes to go. Margot must be feeling um, confident at this stage. I don't know, I think it's up for grabs. Well, Jerry seems to have got quite a few votes lately. Jerry, Tom and Margot, it's, um, it could be any of them. So do you know what next week's episode is, Al? Yes, um... Series four, episode one, is Away From It All. Right, okay. Um, this is the one, isn't it, where I think Tom and Barbara are loaned a flat to go and have a little weekend away by Jerry. Yes. It's a JJM flat or something, and they go and have a little weekend away, and they have to entrust the Ledbetters to look after the animals, and that's where the, the drama ensues. The comedy ensues. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> From, Pigs everywhere. From memory, Tom is is a typical ingrate as usual. So, yeah, not not that we expect anything different from the prick these days. <laughs> That's just Tom. So, if you're following along the good life with us, um, you can find us at Saddle Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Um, we're also on Facebook, so you can find us by searching for Saddle Podcast. Subscribe to our newsletter by visiting our website saddle.club where you can find out more about us and read our blog posts um, or listen to the episodes in the browser if you don't do podcast apps. Um, get in touch and email us at saddlepodcast at gmail.com and tell us all the things that we've missed, because we love that. Uh, subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcast from. Another shout-out to Anya for our artwork. She's done us a Jerry and Margot, which I'll share as well um, at some point. And we might even have some T-shirts available to buy in the not-too-distant future. Um, and thanks to Beat Raid for our theme tune, which is a um, funky, funked-up version of the Good Life theme tune, which we love. We do. It makes me so happy when I hear it. Thanks for listening and join us again next week for episode one of Series 4, Away From It All. Thanks a lot. See you soon. I'll see you.